Yahweh God, we are so grateful to be here tonight and to be here among uh, other believers um, and to be here to, uh, to hear from you, to meet with you. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that uh, tonight would be a time that would uh, challenge us in the areas that we need to be challenged, that would encourage us in the ways that we need to be encouraged, convict us in the ways that we need to be convicted, and that everything that is said and done, your name would uh, just be glorified and much would be made of you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there we go. All right, so we're, ta we're talking about uh, community. And the two ends of, or the two sides of this that we're going to be talking about tonight is that community is both unified and yet it's also diverse. So it's kind of like these two, we could think of it as two opposites or extremes, but what I want to show you tonight is that unity in the church, and that's the community that I'm, we're focusing on, right? Not just the community out there, but what is our community like? Community in our church, community in our group is achieved through our diversity, um, and, but it's really predicated upon seeking unity with Yahweh first, uh, having that right relationship with him and having that unity with him, and then uh, taking that out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and having unity with them. Did I do this right? All right, yeah. Okay, so just to kind of um, give a, a background or a foundation for this, um, to think about community. Um, we're made in the image of God, made in the image of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the community uh, has existed within the Godhead since the beginning since eternity passed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remember hearing a, a podcast, I don't know if anyone's heard the long one uh, by the Bible Project on God, uh, but it was a great 25 episode podcast or something. But uh, Tim, uh, Tim Mackey was just, you know, pointing out this whole idea of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being in this um, he, he called it like this almost dance, this ballet of mutually submitting and loving and being in fellowship with each other. Um, and then in creation, wanting to bring us into that, wanting to, to create and to bring human beings, to create human beings and to bring us into that community with the Godhead. So community is definitely something that God is concerned about and is interested in. Um, and when he uh, made us, he designed us to be in community with him uh, as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then as you uh, think about and remember in Genesis 2, uh, when God made everything, he made Adam, and there was just something missing. He said that it was not good for a man to be alone. So we're also made to be in community with each other. Um, so we've got this. We definitely have this foundation and this design that God has for us to be in community with him and to be in community with each other. And as I was thinking through that, I was thinking back to, and without, you know, uh, just, I think this was the, yeah, the first night we did on community. And, you know, some here are introverted, um, it's, you know, more shy, or, you know, during certain times, you know, we could be going through anxiety, going through depression, um, during COVID, may just had some time to kind of pull back and to, to neglect community. And I think we found, and we're still finding, and we'll continue to find, that that's been really unhealthy for people in general, and it's very unhealthy within the church. Uh, because when, based on this idea, you know, if this in fact is true, what we're talking about as far as uh, the Godhead being in community, and we're made to be in community, then we're really neglecting or fighting Yahweh's design for us. So that if you're finding yourself not engaged in godly community, 
and you're finding something's like just not really clicking and fitting for you, that's could be one of the reasons why, because we're, we're made, we're made for that. So we need community, but then the, the flip side of that, uh, and this is a point made to one particular introvert at my table that night, is that not only do we need community, but the community needs us, that we each have things to give to the community. Uh, if we start thinking about community uh, as like church, okay, the church is like this one-way street, you know, that's, that's not the way it's designed, that's just consumerism. And it's so easy in our culture to get caught into that um, and to kind of get in that mindset as far as like, well, am I going to go to X? You know, am I going to go to, you know, this study or am I going to go to Sunday morning, whatever else? Like, what am I going to get from it, right? And I found myself saying, you know, that in, in the past, you know, like, well, I didn't really get much out of that. Like, well, if I'm going there just only worried about and concerned about what I'm getting, then I'm not thinking about others. I'm thinking about myself, right? So the, the idea then is to be thinking about what could I be giving? What could I be giving to be a part of the community? Paul uses... Uh, the metaphor many times throughout his letters as far as the body being, or the church being one body in many parts with Jesus as the head. So if, if people aren't there or aren't giving, then they're not f- taking on their role. They're not functioning um, as their part of the body. Um, so the you know, body's just missing that. So I might be missing my hand and you know, my body would still, I'd still, I wouldn't die, but my body wouldn't be thriving as it, as it was engaged or as it was designed to be doing. Right? So different body parts, if we're missing those, then we're just missing out. The church is missing out. And, and I, th- I think that's really, really true. If you think about all of humanity and the different uh, gifts and talents and things that are people will be giving, given and people that use those just for themselves, they're really, I mean, okay, just think of, you know, the Elvis movie is out, right? So Elvis Presley, I haven't seen the movie. Elvis is okay, whatever. But, you know, say again? Oh, I'm, I'm touching a nerve over here. Okay, right. Okay, but people that are given that amazing musical talent, they weren't given that amazing musical talent to serve themselves or to just to get fame or money. They, God gave them that ability to worship him and to worship him and to invite other people into that. So I just think, I, I just, you know, think about and look forward to the time when, you know, we're in the, uh, you know, we're with Jesus, new heaven, new earth, and, and all the people that have been given all that amazing musical talent all come together, and it's just going to be a great, it's going to be a great rock show. I'm going to dig it. So um, what we're looking for then is, you know, think about, what I want you guys to be thinking about is, what is your role in the body? What is the thing that you have to offer and to give to the community? So, um, God's design, and as you look through scripture, God's design for community centers around the local church. So when I'm talking about community for us, I'm talking about this group, I'm talking about you know, Sunday morning, I'm talking about Tuesday nights when we're together or when the guys meet with the other guys, which by the way, you young guys, they miss you. Bruce was just telling me how much he misses you guys being there on Tuesday nights. So, which is a perfect example of not only what we're getting out of something like men's study on Tuesday nights, but what we're giving. Because we're really giving something to the other guys that are there. Um, okay, so God's design for community centers around the local church. Well, as we can see just looking at our world, most of mankind has rejected God's design for community. They've rejected God's design for community with him and is designed for community because they don't come to church, right? Um, and then, so then you end up having these, these replacements, these kind of like, um, you know, 
facsimiles, these imita imitations that can come up. But, you know, any kind of club, car club, or this club, or whatever else, or a fan base, like the Raider Nation, we know they're really good, right? Or political action committees, people get involved in that, that's where they're going to try and find their community, or gangs, or, you know, can be destructive kind of communities. But even thinking about that, right, it's like you get people that don't feel like they have a belonging, and they people want to belong somewhere, most people, right? There are some people that are completely going to be isolated, grow a super long beard, live out in the woods by themselves and eat crickets. But we're talking about 99% you know, of the people. So anytime we're trying to replace Yahweh or Yahweh's design, then, then we're engaging in idolatry, right? And that idolatry, in the same way that bowing down to some kind of statue is empty and not going to lead to anything. So anytime, whether it's an actual statue or just an idea, like, you know, Kyle was saying this morning as far as sleep becoming something that could become an idol, right? So if you center your life around your sleep, it's not going to lead to fulfillment. God's not going to bless that because that's not his design. That's not what he wants for you. He wants much more than that. If, if he was to bless people as they were seeking out an idol, seeking out some kind of false god, and that would just be cruel because that's not going to lead them to any kind of life in now or any kind of eternal life as well. So God's not going to do that because that's not his design. So, you know, applying that to us as a church group, if we're a church group that doesn't have this unity, this unity with Yahweh the Father, and this unity with each other, then we're just another social club. Right? And there's churches, and maybe some of you have been to, been to some like this, and you know, I've been some in, in, the, in, in the past, where that's what kind of church is. It's a social club. It's not really something that's filled with the Holy Spirit and where people are actually engaging. Um, and like you know, Kyle was again talking about his metaphor this morning as far as train tracks, where you've got you know, people that are just moving forward and they're never coming, getting together and seeking to connect with God or to connect with each other on anything that's meaningful, on the way that God's designed them to be. So we're talking about the difference between some type of a, having some kind of natural unity or some kind of false or fake uh, unity uh, versus something that God offers us, which is this supernatural unity, something that is really spirit-driven and that um, really is what we're designed for. Because that's, so that's where I'm going to be heading with this. Okay, so... Speaking of some supernatural unity, it is supernatural that we are able to be unified with Christ. So this is out of John 14. Jesus had, has just talked about um, promising the Holy Spirit. Before that, he had talked about he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one came to the Father through him. And then he's talking about, you know, and then I'm going to send the Spirit, and I'm not going to leave you alone. And he's saying, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I in you. So other than being a tongue twister and something that bends your, your brain or if you're thinking Russian nesting dolls, okay, just the whole idea of being connected with Christ. I mean, this is an amazing thing. This is the creator of the universe who has done everything. He's done everything necessary to bring us into this community with him, into this relationship with him. The only thing he did not do is to force us to accept it. Right? So for those of us who have accepted it, we, are, we know that we can know that we are unified with Jesus, uh, that he is in the Father, and it's just an amazing supernatural unity that we have. So I want to take you to another scripture um, that's in Deuteronomy, and this is called the Shema. 
Um, and to, to be able to hear in there is here in this as far as the community and the connection that we have to Yahweh the Father, but then how, how it also after that then leads into community with each other. So it's, it reads like this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So another one of the God-designed communities that exists is the family. Now, for each one of us, for each one of you, your family might, your nuclear family might be a great opportunity for this type of unity, this type of community and fellowship uh, around, around the Lord. But for a lot of people, you aren't. And you're not alone. You're not alone in, in this time and in this place in Northeast Mesa. You're not alone in that in this time and place in history. Because if you think about it, even in the early church, there were some people, Priscilla and Aquila came together as you know, husband and wife, okay, but there was lots of people where they had to leave everything. And, you know, in Jesus, there's lots of different examples where, you know, people came to Jesus and they basically... You know, he said, the cost of discipleship is to leave everything and follow me. So some have this, this, uh, this community within their family. And if you do, that's great. You should be really thankful for that. But we can all have that opportunity. That's the reason why the church is here, for those people either that don't have that or for even those people that do to have an even deeper experience with community. But what I love about this, this verse or this section is just showing how the love for Yahweh, loving him with all of our heart, soul, and all of our might, then is supposed to then be something that we're sharing with each other. And that type of community is that supernatural community that's, uh, that leads us to a stronger and stronger relationship with Yahweh, but then also with each other as well. Uh, and community is also unified in a common goal. One of my favorite verses, and, you know, and I hope you have something, one thing, of a verse or two that you can meditate on, and maybe it's meant a lot to you in the past, uh, but just something that reminds me, this verse, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added as well. That has taken me through, through so many times where just in my personal walk where I needed to be able to stay on track and to not be distracted by uh, other you know, things around me. But when I find other people that have this same type of an idea, whether it's their favorite verse or not, but I can see that there's someone who is also seeking God's kingdom and they're seeking God's righteousness, then that's somebody that I really pursue. That's something I really pursue to have community with that person because I know that, again, they have something to offer me and I have something to offer them because we have this, this common goal of seeking first his kingdom and being kingdom-minded. Oh, that one went super, super fast. Okay, this next one is where I want, to, I, want to park, I want to park it here for a little bit before I get into our main passage. Um, this whole idea of being unified in our baptism with the Holy Spirit. So I put Acts 1.8 up there uh, for the Pentecost, of course, and then another verse in, in, in Acts. But in 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul said, that, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So this whole idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit this is supernatural with a, with a capital S. And I don't know how often you've taken time to, to really think about what it means to have received Jesus. Okay, so, you know, of course, we've come to salvation. You've come to salvation. You've been justified uh, and you are, you are saved, which means you have trusted in who Jesus is, 
what he has done. So who he is, he's God Almighty. He is the one perfect lamb that came, who lived the perfect life that we can never live, uh, died a death on the cross that, that took all of our punishment that we, we, that we deserved, and then rose from the dead to basically prove it, right? Drop the mic, prove it. I am who I said I was, right? So once you've done that, then the whole, the whole, his Holy Spirit, God himself, places his spirit inside of us. Let's talk about us for, for you know, as individuals, places his spirit inside of you, places a, a portion or places his very self inside of you. That is so amazing and supernatural and just offers just the highest level of community to have. We don't have to go through, you know, rituals or ceremonies or go on pilgrimages, whatever else. We have God right here with us, moment by moment. And if and if that's something, I'm hoping that's something that you are, I know for me that it's been something that I've been working on and nurturing, and it's been a, it's been a process over a number of years. And um, so my mentor is, is Keith, Keith Braun, and I've talked, so I've talked to him about this, I've talked to, to Bob, I've talked to Dave Lindstrom. So older guys that are like the mentors, the kind of people that I, you know, I'm seeing them, again, they're kingdom-minded, talking to them about this. And this is just like one of these, these ideas that... You know, in reading through the scripture, seeing the Spirit mentioned time and time and time again, and to realize, you know what, that's something that's pretty important. And so to really be focused on developing, and Kyle again talked about it this morning, um, this whole idea of really nurturing this relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think it was something that was missing in my life, in my, my walk, for a long time. And that was probably because I didn't know much about it. I hadn't really searched out uh, scripture and really paid attention to it. It was always kind of kind of mysterious. Uh, was, at times it was kind of fearful because of, you know, again, Kyle this morning was talking about, you know, where there weren't any people running up and down the aisles and doing this and that, whatever else. Because that's what I kind of associated with, uh, you know, maybe what spirit filled was. And actually, you know, Julie and I had some interesting experiences at our former church with them trying to, you know, say, oh, you're not baptized and you have to do this to be baptized in the spirit and whatever else is like, hmm, okay, well, I don't see that in scripture. I'll see you next week. Maybe not. And so we ended up coming here. So the whole idea that, that we are able, we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's just something to, to meditate on and just to be thankful for and to thank God for every day. But then this next level is this, that each person who's here tonight each person that was in church this morning, each person that you know of that is the same, that has also accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and is also filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, just think about the unity that, that gives us. The fact that God's Spirit is in me, God's Spirit is in Julie, God's Spirit is in Reed, God's Spirit is in that Zach and that Zach and every Zach and all the Zachs and whatever. Just think about the potential for the community and the fellowship between us, it's off the charts. It's supernatural. It goes so far beyond a car club and a Raiders Nation or this, that, whatever else, that it, it really should just pale in comparison. So I just want to encourage you with that to, again, to find somebody, to find one or two or three or whatever else to have a tight group, but also to be reaching out to others, to be bringing other people. I would love it if those people, you know, the people that we work with and go to school with, whatever, that we'd start saying, hey, you know what? You guys should come, you know, and invite more people to, to be here um, just to be able to bring them, you know to, know, to know Jesus and to have, because people are, so many people out there just waiting for 
an invitation. I invited a lady, I don't, I don't know if uh, Glenda came today or not, but she came last week, a client of mine. Um, and she says, I haven't been in the church in 20 years. I was just waiting for somebody to ask me. I know there's people in our lives that are like that. The people that are just asking, just waiting to be asked. So we have that amazing opportunity for supernatural community and fellowship that is so unified. And we really want to bring other people into that. So just as a review then, uh, community is unified. We're made in God's image. We're designed for community. Uh, we, need, we, are, we need community and we are needed by our community. And we have this opportunity for supernatural unity with Christ, with each other. Uh, and this all is accomplished through the Holy Spirit. So community is also diverse. The Christian community is filled with all different economic levels, uh, race and gender and social status, economic status, gifts, talents, personalities, etc. Okay, so we have tons of diversity, and that diversity, though, is our strength to be able to, because, as I was mentioning before, as we find all these other people who are also baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we all have this common goal, and we're all worshiping Yahweh together, that is just an amazing supernatural, something that, that mankind couldn't accomplish on their own. It's something that is God uh, created and God designed and, and blessed by God. So, as I was thinking about community being diverse, this one says Revelation, that one doesn't. Oh, because I didn't do this. I don't, I'm not a gamer. I can't do two things with two fingers and do all this. So I got Revelation up there. Yeah, okay. So, looking forward, looking ahead, uh, to end times and to, to the times. This is not yet the new heaven and new earth, okay? But this is where, you know, definitely we're getting more towards that. And this is, the, I'll just read it and it's just so beautiful. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. So you see the amazing diversity is there, right? We're gonna have all these people coming together, but they're all unified, they're all unified because they're standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes, uniforms, with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So we have this amazing diversity in the body of Christ, but all unified in our worship of the lamb. And this is, I shared this verse earlier, but just to add a little bit more to it. For just as uh, the body is one and many members, for all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all were made to drink of one spirit. So when, when Paul here is talking about Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, he's basically saying everybody, right? All this diversity, but we're all unified in our baptism in the spirit and the, the fact that we're members of one body. Okay, so now I want to take you to, that was, that was the introduction. The, the other part will actually be shorter than the introduction. Okay, so if you look at Ephesians 4, and for those of you that were paying attention, which I'm sure you all were, and remember, uh, Brooklyn was in Ephesians 4, which is great. So I want to hit it again, but I want to hit it with a different perspective in looking at, um, looking at unity and diversity. So here we go. Verse one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one f- and, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I mean, the unity that's there just saturated with unity from uh, verses, verses three through six. Okay, but before I talk about those verses getting into the unity, I want to go back up to the first part as far as like, well, what, what were kind of like the prerequisites to have this unity? What set the stage to be able to have this unity? Well, first I noticed that Paul has this mindset. So he was literally a prisoner. He was in jail. He was literally a prisoner for the Lord. But what I see here is that he's embracing that. And there's other places where he's talked about being a bondservant and a slave to Christ. So he has, his mindset is, some, is, is of such where he doesn't mind being considered as a prisoner or a slave or as a bondservant to Jesus because he realizes, he realizes that he belongs to Yahweh. He belongs to God and he belongs to them him in the very best sense, the very most ideal sense of the word. So if it, there's any way you could wrap your brain around that it would be good to be a slave Okay, we think of, and rightfully so, that slavery in our country was terrible. It was horrible. Slavery throughout history has been horrible. Okay, but what if you were the slave to the most, the, the most benevolent dictator there ever was, the King Jesus, who is good and only wants your good. So you're really enslaved, you're really a prisoner of him, and that's a great thing. So Paul has actually embraced this whole mindset that he's a prisoner to, to God, and then he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. He uses this metaphor of walking all the time. Okay, he uses it many times. But this, the first thing I thought of, that, thought of when I read this was the walk to Emmaus, when the risen Jesus walks with some of his uh, disciples, not, not one of the twelve but some other ones, and he's walking on the road to Emmaus, and he's just moving forward. So I love the whole, the whole metaphor, the idea of when you're walking, you're moving forward. When he be, they'd be walking with Jesus, they would have been side by side, so they would have been close to him. Um, they would have been able to, you know, hear, you know, the gravel under his feet. They might have been able to, you know, even, um, you know, smell. I don't did Jesus have B.O.? I don't know. Okay, but they, you know, they're just walking with him and chilling with him, and he's opening the scriptures to them. So I just love this idea of walking. So to, to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. So take, embrace this mindset of being a prisoner. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And then listen to how he just hits all of this with, with humility and gentle gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. If he's saying all of those things, I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna venture to guess that this unity that we're after, although it is God's design, and although it is inspired by the Spirit, that doesn't make it easy. If he's telling us to bear with one another in love, he's basically saying put up with each other. Right? He's saying, he's saying be humble and gentle and patient. So we're only going to have this unity in the Spirit with, this, with, with these kind of prerequisites. So that when we're coming again to Sunday night, we're coming on Tuesday night. We're coming to Sunday morning. If we're not, if we're not this, these are the kind of things that we should be um, practicing. These are the kind of things we should be embracing. These are the kind of things we should be uh, asking the Spirit to, to develop in us so that when we're at church or when we're in our community, whether it's your family, whether it's on, on campus here or somewhere else, when you're, you're having this community with other believers, to, to, um, 
to engage with humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. There's so much potential because then we look and see what then the unity is that can come from that. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. So again, we've got this idea that there's one body, the body of Christ. That's what he's concerned with. There's one spirit, God's spirit that dwells in each of us. One hope, the return of Jesus in eternal life with him. One Lord, this undivided allegiance and fealty to Jesus, our Lord. Uh, this one faith, trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This one baptism to proclaim that we have both died and been raised with him. And one God, Father of all. Now this is an amazing thing to, to meditate on as well, to just kind of... Um, you maybe put this on your, I've got some things on my phone that come up as daily reminders, and this would be a great thing to put either on your phone or a post-it note or whatever else, just to meditate on growing in your faith to embrace Yahweh as the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. I mean, you could spend a lifetime meditating and asking the Spirit to help you grow and understand more and more about that. So, but then look what comes next. So we've got these, these prerequisites, and then this goal, this idea of peace and unity in the Spirit. And then he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace brings unity in the church, right? Grace was given in the, just through this amazing love. And I just love how Paul ends up saying that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Are you kidding me? What is the measure of Christ's gift? He gave everything. He gave everything when he came and took on human flesh and then he lived this perfect life and he gave himself up to be mocked and spit upon and put on a cross and then again to rise from the dead to show that he was exactly who he said he was. So we have access to this grace. Grace is how we are unified with Yahweh and we have unity with him and grace is how we're unified with each other. There we go. Okay. I think I went too far on this one. No, I didn't. Okay. So there's a little, there's a parenthetical statement that comes here next that I'm going to skip just because uh, for the interest of time. Uh, and look down to verse 11. So he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So here's where we've got, we're, we want to have this unity in the spirit, but we have, we achieved this unity when people come together in the body of Christ, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, etc., and when they come together and they do what God has gifted them to do, they do their thing, right? Apostles be apostling, prophets be prophesying, evangelists be evangelizing, shepherds be shepherding, and teachers be teaching to, do, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And all of this is meant to, you know, there's a, there's a purpose. I mean, just to have unity amongst ourselves to just be great in and of itself. But there's a purpose in that because the reality is when we are in community, not everyone is at the same place in their walk with Christ. Okay, we have, we have baby Christians, you've got teenager Christians, and you've got old men and old women that are you know, long in the faith and you have much you can learn from. Because then when you look under the, rest, the, 
look on after that verse, it says, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I don't know if that resonates with you guys. I know in my walk in the past, I definitely felt like this spiritual child that was being battered to and fro. I was, you know, different places I would go, whether it was work or school or places like that. Places, some places I would be persecuted for my faith and it would just really affect me and really bother me and bum me out and cause me to, to doubt. And then I go, and then I go to church, and I'd be you know, feeling strong again, and that would be awesome. And that's what church is for. But I was just up and down and all around because I didn't have this maturity. So we're gonna get that. You're gonna get that maturity when you're in community, when we have this unity with each other, uh, and we have that that unity with each other when people come to they come together, and they come not just looking to to get from others, but to looking to give to others as well. Um, so then. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with, uh, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It just seems to really sum up all together, you know, the different metaphors that he's been using with the body, the maturity, growing up, serving each other, doing the things that you're, you know, that we're meant to do. So believers are unified in their goal. Their goal, our, our goal should be to be growing closer and closer to Yahweh, which is spiritual maturity, and to also be uh, engaging in spiritual humi humility and looking to raise up and to help strengthen and edify uh, weak believers. So the strong believers are holding up the weak. Um, the strong, strong believers are acted out in maturity, but with humility. And that's, that's how you know, God's designed it to be. So as I was going through this, um, I, you know, one of the ideas that I had for, for giving this talk was just to come up for some examples. Um, some of you may, may be familiar with some of these stories. This is just to highlight just for a couple seconds, a couple of them. I mean, look at somebody like David and Jonathan. Okay, you might think, oh, King David. No, I'm, I'm talking before he was King David. Before he was King David, he was Shepherd Boy David. He was Shepherd Boy, the youngest runty little, you know, little runt in his family of all these brothers that were big, strong, and handsome. But he ended up becoming uh, tight with Jonathan, the son of King Saul, the current king. So they had this, um, this tremendous diversity. They were so different from each other. They were in the different tribes, different economic levels, different, you know, birth histories and all this kind of stuff, but they were unified. They were unified in their love for Yahweh and trusting in Yahweh's plan. In fact, trusting in Yahweh's plan enough that Jonathan, the prince, who would have normally been the next king, took off his princely robe and his sword and gave it to David because he recognized David was Yahweh's chosen. So even though they had this, they had all these differences so I'm calling that diversity. They had all this diversity that they were different from each other. They were unified in their trust for Yahweh. I mean, look at the 12 disciples. You've got, you've got Simon the Zealot, and then you've got Matthew the tax collector who had been a collaborator with Rome. How much more opposite could you be of that? So and then think about from what, from what you know about the disciples, how slowly but surely over time they grew in spiritual maturity and humility right up until the end. They weren't all that 
They weren't portrayed as all that mature right up into the end. They all bailed on Jesus. But what was the difference? What made the difference? Seeing the risen Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit. Once that happened, they changed the world. They changed the world. Each and every one of them died for their faith. I'll include John in that because he died on Patmos and he died for his faith being exiled. Each and every one of them did that. that so that unity, they grew in their unity with, with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they were completely tight with each other. Were there little you know, squabbles here and there in the early church? Of course there was. So in the early church in Acts 2.1 and going on from there, um, thinking specifically about the day of Pentecost, and Luke goes on, you know, specifically names all of these places where all of these travelers had come. Pentecost was a huge feast. Um, it had nothing to do with Christianity at the time. It all had to do with, with uh, Judaism. So they all came from all over the known world to come for the day of Pentecost. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit comes and falls on the, the, the believers, the disciples and their people. Peter preaches. Thousands come to the Lord. And these people, they all stay. They all stay in Jerusalem. Because, like, what are we going to do next? We just, we just learned that Jesus is the Messiah. We just saw the Holy Spirit doing all these amazing things. We're going to chill and hang out here. And like, Paul, like uh, Kyle again said this morning, uh, connecting that to Ezekiel 11, they were all, all of one heart. There was a tremendous amount of diversity, economic diversity as well, as you've got people coming in and selling their land, giving the proceeds to the disciples. And, they, that was, and why were they, they were doing that to be able to pay for and support all the new Christians that were there. So then I and also had something about Paul and the uh, elders, but Zach and I, the, the Bible nerds and I will talk about that later. Paul and the elders from Ephesus. So this is what I want to bring you guys to. I want to remind you, this is what I was hoping to get across to you guys. Unity in the church, unity in the church community is achieved through the diversity that we have, the different roles that each of us have to play in the body or the different parts of the body that we are, but we're all part of one body with Jesus as the head. And to encourage you to seek unity with Yahweh, to seek unity and to really focus and meditate on that idea that you have unity with Yahweh because his spirit, his very spirit resides in you. And to have unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you think about the Holy Spirit being in each and every other believer that you know, each and every other believer throughout the world, but the people that we have here and to be seeking unity. So a couple things just to reflect on, and then I'll give you some guys, to talk, guys some time to talk at your table, just to think about, some things to think about. What is your attitude and your approach towards community? And I specifically, I'm putting up there, I didn't, you know, to think, have you fallen into a consumer mindset where you're thinking, I'm coming to church because I need to get something out of this, and you're not coming to also serve as well? You can, we certainly want to come. I come loving and wanting to be able to, to worship and to hear Kyle or, or Alan or whoever's preaching. I certainly come wanting to get stuff, but I'm also trying to make sure that my heart is right and that I'm coming wanting to give. I'm trying to make sure that my heart is coming like Paul was describing um, in the beginning of Ephesians 4 with humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another instead of just you know, being completely self-centered. So reflect on the community that you're a part of and the different communities that you are. Each one of us is a part of a community that's not attached to the church, and that's great. That's your missionary opportunity. That's your missionary opportunity to bring people and invite people into so they can first experience that unity with Yahweh and then uh, unity with each other. 
Um, and then think about what is your basis of your unity within your community? Is, are, you, do you, are you seeking unity with others through, through other types of things? And it's fine, you know, if, if Frisbee golf or whatever else that you, got, you know, are into, that's perfectly fine to do that, right? But, you know, you have, we have the opportunity to go much deeper than that, right? On a spiritual level be, uh, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and then I just encourage you in the last one uh, to establish a rhythm of reflection. Psalm 139 is basically where uh, the psalmist is asking God to search, to search his heart and show him if there's any error in his way or anything that he needs to, to be changing. So to be, just to be thinking about um, your approach towards community um, and to ask the Lord to show you if there's anything that he has for you that he wants you to, to grow in.